DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're going to be joined by Phil Steele momentarily. Phil Steele's college football preview. And, of course, things are changing pretty quickly, PK. You know, he, he, does, pro, he does these uh, profiles for all these teams. And, and uh, you know, in the case of Utah State, just in the last week, you know, he does a lot of online stuff, so he can update that. The, the printed stuff can be a little trickier depending on how stuff happens around his deadlines, which you know well because of the newspaper industry and stuff happened around those deadlines. Um, but, you know, you do the whole homework on Utah State and you think Columbia's going to be obviously the starting quarterback, but they get Shelly transferring in from the U, then Columbia enters the, the portal. It, that's a pretty big change on deadline when you're prepping for a college football season. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that was a significant change in a matter of forty-eight hours. <laughs> that at this time of year, no less. That was pretty crazy. And for Utah State, the question again is, uh, where is the depth? You know, because we thought Shelley was going to solve that. We thought, well, Columbia's shown well in, in the little bit of time he's gotten. We've heard good things about him. We've seen right. a little bit, and it's very little. It's a small sample, but it looks good. It looks like there's, you know, there's some upside, and that can progress. Then you get Shelley. It's like, okay, now you got two quarterbacks. I don't know what else they would have done. And now all of a sudden, they're right back down. They're, they're right back down to one again. DJ PK, time now to talk college football with Phil Steele from Phil Steele's College Football Preview. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Phil, good morning. Good morning. How are you, gentlemen? We're doing well. We're doing well. Uh, You've got your uh, college football preview coming together. It's that time of year, and I'm curious, uh, in this kind of crazy year and not knowing what games are going to happen and when they might happen, was it hard for you to put this together, or in a weird way was it a little easier with coaches more available? Yeah, the coaches were more available this year. Talked to about 110 of them, so uh, and they had a lot of time. The average coaches call probably lasted about an hour this year. Uh, they were probably itching to talk some football when uh, when I called. And you know, the schedules. Uh, the good thing about the magazine is I base everything for my for my uh, conference predictions based on conference games. And you know, as long as we're playing conference games, I'm happy. I think we got ourselves a full schedule. We got some great football ahead of us. There'll be some matchups we miss out on. You know, like. Uh, Michigan traveling to Washington, Ohio State traveling to Oregon, USC playing Notre Dame, and uh, also Alabama. But I love the conference play, and I think we're going to have a, a good college football season. So in Pac-12 North, there's some coaching changes. When you make your predictions and your analysis, how much do you figure in coaching changes in terms of maybe some unknown stuff? Well, this year – Coaching changes was a major thing for the magazine. Uh, you take a look at a, a school like Michigan State. Uh, you know, Mark D'Antonio stepped aside after they had already signed their freshman class, and then they had to scramble around. Finally, they found Mel Tucker from Colorado to come over there. Uh, he had no spring practices with the team and only has 10 returning starters. So it was an inexperienced team to begin with. Doesn't have the knowledge of the players on the field. Of course, he has knowledge of the players off the field, especially with all these Zoom meetings and things like that. But that's a tough situation for our first-year head coach. And and for the most part, I think first-year head coaches are stepping into some tough situations unless – they inherit a lot of talent. You know, like Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, I think he inherited a very talented Ole Miss team uh, that had a lot of true freshmen last year. So he's, he's probably stepping into a decent situation. But for the most part, I thought it was a negative factor, especially with the lack of spring practices that were out there. 
Phil Steele joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. When you look at the Pac-12 South, I see a lot of people saying USC's the one, they're the favorite. ASU and Utah, you can put them whatever order you want. I think more people have Utah two than three, but those are legit contenders. And the other three teams, we just don't know what UCLA, Arizona, and Colorado can possibly pull off. They seem to be pretty distant back from the other, the other three. Is that the way you see the division? That's exactly the way I see that division. Uh, You know, USC, I think if you look at them top to bottom at each position, they're arguably the most talented team in the Pac-12 this year. And I know last year uh, they lost some games, and folks are like, well, Clay Helton always loses games. Let's look back at some of the specifics of how USC lost those games. They had a first-time starting, first road start for a young quarterback when they played BYU and Slovis started. They lost that game by a field goal. Then they started their third-string quarterback, his first road start, lost to Washington. They lost to Notre Dame by three. So they had some close losses last year, 17 returning starters. I like Slovis. In fact, the majority, all the positions rank in my top units in front of the magazine. Biggest question marks might be offensive line and linebacker, but those are still top 25 units potentially. I think USC is the most talented team, along with Oregon, in the Pac-12 this year. And then, you know, Utah, you always have to count them in the mix with Kyle Whittingham. Whittingham is just one of the best head coaches out there. Now, a little disappointed Coach Whittingham last year. I picked him as my number one surprise team. All they had to do was beat Oregon in that Pac-12 title game, and they would have been the surprise team going from non-top 10 to make the playoff. Came up short in that game, but uh, I think they're in a it looks like they're in a uh, rebuild thing, but he's to the point where he just reloads every year. And then Arizona State's got the exciting quarterback and Jaden Daniels. Uh, Good talent throughout as well, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They had a couple of freshmen that started two years ago. They're now juniors. So I think those three are clearly the top teams in the South this year. Concern about Oregon with a four to the five offensive linemen and a new quarterback, or do you think they got enough talent to overcome that? Yeah, I was very concerned before talking to Coach Cristobal this year, uh, and he's an OL coach. You know, so he's a, he's a guy that knows the offensive line, and he feels he'll be okay on the offensive line. Uh, and quarterback-wise, you know, Tyler Shaw, Anthony Brown, both uh, have uh, some, some experience, uh, and they're both very talented guys. So I think they'll do okay there. They are weaker at quarterback and on the offensive line than last year. I mean, let's face it, last year's offensive line, arguably the best in college football. Justin Herbert, a first-round draft pick, they don't have that this year. But what they do have is a deep backfield with uh, Verdell, Dye, uh, Habibi Likio, Sean Dollar. They've got dangerous receivers, and uh, you look at them defensively, that's what really stands out to me. All three units rank in my top units. Number, number six defensive line, number 13 set of linebackers, and best secondary in the country. So I, I think Oregon, you know, after getting off the phone with Coach Chris Ball, I'm like, wow, they, they compare to USC talent-wise this year. And uh, I think they're, they're clearly the favorite to win the North. The biggest contenders going to be Washington and then a dark horse. I'm going to throw Stanford out there. David Shaw hasn't forgotten how to coach football. I know he's coming off a four-win season last year, but he's got some talent there as well. Phil Steele joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Um, I'm curious what you think of Utah quarterback. Obviously, the passing game was not good enough for the Pac-12 when they came in. It has improved. They're coming off their best year throwing the ball, but there is still room for improvement. They've got a pair of former four-star recruits. Both have transferred. Who do you think wins the job, and how good is that passing game going to be? 
You know, and I tried to get that out of Coach Whittingham. Sometimes the coaches will give me one of those 51-49 things, and I couldn't get it. You know, it's Jake Bentley and Cam Rising, and I think whichever guy starts, Utah's in good shape because those are two very highly touted quarterbacks coming out of high school, two quarterbacks with good size, have experience, have been in big-time programs. So I think whichever guy wins that race, they're in pretty good shape there. I'm wondering who's going to replace Zach. All right. Moss. Well, he's not the only one who's wondering, PK. Hopefully he'll well, so, hopefully he'll call know, back in. He just got cut off apparently. Sometimes that when you're that good and you want to replace him, you can't, so you just hang up. <laughs> that could be it. It's not doable, click. <laughs> it's not happening. Just empty the backfield all year. Sorry, Jordan Wilmar. Sorry. Uh, Phil Steele okay. just paid the ultimate compliment to Zach Morris. Yes, the, Zach Morris. Zach Moss. Zach Morris. Yeah, Zach Morris. Uh, the ultimate compliment for Zach Moss. You were talking about replacing him between the Zach and the Moss. You just cut out. We just figured that means it can't possibly be done. They can't replace him. So that, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess you guys don't like to talk about the departure of Zach Moss. Huh? You just hung yeah, up it, on it, everybody. Everybody takes a knee and just sobs quietly to themselves in in, yeah. Ute, in the Ute Kingdom. There. Well, you know, I, I think Jordan Wilmore. When you look at him, he's he's not very tall. He's only five eight, but he's thick, and uh, he he's got some breakaway ability. And then Brumfield is a guy that's also got good size. Uh, doesn't have quite the elusiveness as what Whitmore or Wilmore, but uh, I, I think Brumfield has that opportunity. Uh, and even a Ty Jordan, you know, he's a guy that Texas even wanted. He's another five seven guy. But when you're running behind that offensive line, there's some big boys on the O line. I read at the number thirty rated offensive line. Lack of height doesn't bother me at all because that allows you to hide a little bit behind the O-line. So I think Utah's going to be in good shape this year. It's going to be more of a reload than a rebuild. When you look to forecast the Mountain West, because they've earned it, is your default just going to Boise State? And the talent. I mean, Brian Harson's doing a good job recruiting. Uh, the biggest question mark is going to be the offensive line this year. It's the only unit that doesn't rank in my top units. But you go back to watch that Florida State game last year and what Hank Bachmeyer did. Phenomenal. And what they got to do is get him to take a few less hits. That's part on Bachmeyer because he held on to the ball a little long. And then part of it was based on the, the offensive line allowing some pressure. Uh, if they can keep him upright and healthy, they're going to be very dangerous this year. In fact, they could very well, if you look at their schedule. I know they get Florida State at home potentially, uh, but they could be favored in every single game this year. So they're a threat to get to the New Year's Day 6 provided Harson's able to rework that offensive line, which only has one returning starter this year. San Diego State and Hawaii both had coaching changes. Air Force had a great year. Uh, 11-2, 7-1 in league. Uh, Utah State, obviously with an ever-changing quarterback situation. Who can pressure Boise State in this conference? Uh, and one team you didn't mention, Nevada. Uh, I know Nevada wasn't overwhelming last year, but they got 17 returning starters. It's in the fourth year of Jay Norvell. And I like the overall talent they have coming back this year. I think they've got a chance of even uh, winning that division. Keep your eyes on those guys. Carson Strong, a QB, really emerged in the second half of the year. Uh, Toa Tawa, uh, running back, uh, I think he gets back to the form he had two years ago. And they've got dangerous receivers and Cooks and Daubs. 
And the interesting conversation, you guys were talking about first-year head coaches before. Uh, you get on the phone with Coach Todd Graham, and he loves what he inherited at Hawaii. A lot of times the first-year head coach, I remember talking to Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee the year he took over, and he's like, oh, my God, this you know, I wonder what kind of talent we even have here. Meanwhile, Todd Graham was just the opposite, loves his offensive line, loves his defensive players, loves everything he inherited. He thinks he's, they're going to be a key piece. So keep your eyes on Nevada and Hawaii in that division. And with Utah State, you know, prospects for them uh, got a little bit better uh, coming out. With the, I, I like the addition of uh, Jason Shelley, a quarterback. I think Shelley should step in, answer one of the questions they had coming in. And it is Gary Anderson's second year. You know, I asked Coach Anderson, I said, would you rather have just three returning starters on offense and an NFL quarterback or eight returning starters on offense and lose an NFL quarterback? He said he'd rather have the NFL quarterback there. But, you know, let's face it, Jordan Love last year, 20 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. Didn't have the year expected. Jason Shelley could top those stats this year. Well, BYU last year just had an unbelievable season with the maddening nature of winning games they weren't expected to win, losing games they weren't expected to lose. So they return a fair amount. What's your indication as far as what you think for them? Well, I've talked to Coach Sataki each year of his five years. This is by far the best team he's put on the field. And you go back to last year. You know, part of the reason for that up and down thing was all the different players they lost to injury. They had 49 different players start a game last year. That was number one in the FBS. They were down their top two running backs, their top linebacker, their top offensive lineman. They had to play a third string quarterback. Yet BYU managed to pull out some wins, like that Boise State win. But top to bottom. This is the deepest, best team Coach Sataki's put on the field, starting with quarterback Zach Wilson and taking it through the entire lineup. There's really not an overall weak spot on this team. It's one of his better receiving cores, one of the best offensive lines. Uh, I think this is BYU's best team yet. And talking to Coach Sataki at the end of the conversation, he said, you know, Phil, we don't play the same schedule we used to play, which is true. BYU back you know, 20 years ago would pay, play maybe one, maybe two Power 5 teams. Well, some of those Power 5 teams are dropping off the schedule. Utah, Arizona State, Minnesota, they're not playing them this year. So we might see a, a big-time record increase for BYU this year. So a year ago, you know, they, they had three games led in the fourth quarter and they couldn't close out. That's the difference between 7-6 and six and 10-3. and three. They were all on the road. But they didn't have Tyson Williams at that point because he got hurt and they just, mm. they weren't as good in the running game after he went down. Do you think they're good in the running game this year and will be able to run the ball shorten games, and protect those leads that got away from them a year ago. Yeah, the good news is going through the running back position with Coach Sataki this year, they go about seven deep. I mean, there's Devontae Henry-Cole, uh, Jackson McChesney, Siona Fanu, uh, Tyler Algier, Lopina Katoa, Bruce Garrett, Jackson Kafuzi. These are all guys that Coach Sataki feels confident in. So they are deeper, but I agree with you. Tyson Williams last year was, was a difference maker early on, and I think not having him the rest of the year, basically losing your top two running backs, really did hurt him last year. But I do like the depth, and hopefully someone emerges and, and performs like Williams did, at least in those first couple of games. As far as the uh, you talk about the top half of the South Division and the Pac-12, in the bottom half, which was which is obviously UCLA, Arizona, Colorado, how far down do you see those three teams relative to the other three teams that you've already mentioned in the South? I've got major question marks on all three of those teams. You know, the Colorado question mark would be, 
hey, first year head coach, uh, you know, late uh, late move in the coaching things. Once again, after the uh, recruiting thing was over, uh, how are they going to react to the new schemes, both offensively, well, defensively, they don't change. They got Tyson Summers back, uh, which is good. Uh, and th- that would be a big question mark I have with Colorado, with Arizona. You know, hey, they had. Khalil Tate last year, and <laughs> now they don't. I like what Grant Gunnell did last year, but that linebacking core with Colin Schooler, Tony Fields, you expect the defense to be better, but last year, they gave up 471 yards per game. Can they fix the defense? And UCLA, uh, you just wonder when Chip Kelly's going to kick in, if he is. You know, at Oregon, he had a couple of advantages. The first one was Oregon had probably better facilities at that time than the rest of the Pac-12, so he was able to recruit real well. He's lost that advantage. And, and we've seen that in his recruiting classes. And the second was he was he brought in that hurry-up offense. Nobody was running. Well, not every college runs a hurry-up offense. So I think he lost his two major advantages that he had at Oregon. Now we're going to see if they can take care of business. But I'll say this. When I was talking to Coach Shaw of Stanford, he brought up Dorian Thompson-Robinson a couple times as a quarterback that really impressed him. So keep your eyes on DTR for UCLA this year. Nationally, is the playoff picture like it always is? Uh, six teams scrambling for four spots, and everybody else is uh, hoping slash pretending to be involved. But realistically, Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, we can pencil them in. Oklahoma. Yeah, you're looking at my front cover. <laughs> it's who you. It's who you have to project at the top, and Ohio State does look like the best team in the Big Ten. Clemson. Now, I'll say this about Clemson. Last year, there was Clemson, there was a cavernous gap, and then there was the number two ACC team. I don't even know who that was. This year, the ACC is a very improved conference. In fact, last year I rated it the sixth best conference. Sixth out of the, and they're a Power Five team uh, behind the American Conference. This year, I moved them all the way up to third. I like Miami, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Pitt, and the Coastal. That's your most improved division in football. So the gap is closed, but nobody caught Clemson yet. And then Alabama, I think they've got to be the pick. Uh, you know, they have to fend off Georgia, Florida, and then Oklahoma, of course. Who's, we will have a battle with Texas, but I'm going to throw out a, a sleeper team for you. Uh, a team that's not in the top ten, much like I had Utah last year, my number one surprise team, and I'm going with Texas A&M. And uh, with the Aggies, I talked to Coach Fisher last year and going over the team with them, and two things stood out to me. One, they had a killer schedule. And as it turns out, they took on three number one ranked teams in the country. They took on the number four ranked team and the number eight ranked team. And the second thing that stood out, he didn't have a lot of seniors on the team last year. Very few. And this year, they are an experienced team. Fifteen returning starters, veteran quarterback in Kellen Mond. And as opposed to playing five top ten teams, including three number ones last year, they might play one top 10 team this year. They dropped to number 66 on my schedule strength. Now, they do have to go into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama. So did LSU last year, and LSU got that done. So my number one surprise team this year, a team that I think could come out of the non-top 10 and perhaps make the playoff, would be um, the Texas A&M Aggies. Around our way, because of the connection, a lot of us follow Virginia Bronco Mendenhall. Most of his coaching staff was at BYU. They lose Perkins, who was their do-everything at quarterback. Uh, they won the division. What do you foresee for them as far as this season? 
Broncos a little fired up about this when I talk to them. Uh, you you look at you know they lose Perkins, and I like every other magazine out there is predicting Virginia lower. In fact, I've got him fifth in the division, and uh, he's a little fired up about that. He likes his replacement quarterbacks this year uh, in both uh, Brennan Armstrong and Keaton Thompson, who comes over from Mississippi State. And yes, there will be a drop off from what Bryce Perkins did. That man was a magician, but he doesn't think the drop off is going to be that much. He thinks he might have a improved running game with uh, Mike Collins at running back there. The offensive line looks solid. He likes the defense. And remember last year for Virginia, you know, when the season uh, went along in the first seven games, they were only allowing 19.7 points per game. Then basically the entire secondary got wiped out with injury and they gave up 34.5 points per game the last seven games. Well, they get some of those injured players back. They do lose some players, but uh, I picked Virginia fifth. I do think it's more of a rebuild than a reload there. But Coach Mendenhall's out to prove that it's not, and he feels they're going to be a contender in the Coastal. Phil Steele joining us. So this is a question you have never been asked before, but this year maybe it comes into play. If this college football season has to move to the spring, and if first-round guys, or maybe first, second, and third-round guys say, well, I'm not playing, I'm already going in the NFL draft, I'm not going to risk it, what do conference title races and the playoff race look like if you subtract at least 30 and maybe even as many as 100 players off the top of the college football season? I, I think it would be drastically different. And the, as you mentioned, you know, like if you're a middle-of-the-road team, you're not losing guys to the NFL draft, so you're just as strong. But if you're the Alabamas, the LSUs, the Oklahomas, the Clemsons out there, you're going to lose a bunch of guys. Clemson's not going to have Trevor Lawrence, a quarterback, or Travis Etienne, a running back. That could be a big-time drop-off. Now, they've got talent behind them. Not saying they don't, not saying they wouldn't compete. But, yeah, I mean, as far as guys that have been there, the experienced guys, you're losing your best players off the very top teams. I think that would make it for a very wide-open college football season. But, guys, I'm going for fall football here this year. I want to see them play football in the fall, and I think we will. We saw last year LSU was dominant. Of the teams that you have contending for the title this year, do you forecast anybody being as dominant as LSU was? No, I don't, because I can I can pick some holes in each of the teams that are at the very top. You take a look at Ohio State, for example. They lost a lot off the defense. Last year they had eight, nine returning starters on defense. Uh, this year they only have four. Some guy, Chase Young, headed off to the NFL. Uh, and so there's some question marks there for me. Running back depth is a question mark I have with Ohio State with Clemson. It might be the receiving core. You know, having Justin Roscoe down, uh, they weren't extremely deep. Normally, a team like Clemson goes three deep at receiver. They only went two deep, so they're not very deep at that receiver spot. They also have a, uh, excuse me, a younger offensive line in front of them. So there's question marks there. With Alabama, your question mark would be quarterback. With Oklahoma, it's can the defense improve? So each of those teams has a question uh, throughout, and I don't think we're going to see a team dominate, especially in playoff time, like LSU did last year. Phil Steele joining us. Phil, you've given us a lot of info. You've run through a lot of stuff, and I know you've only scratched the surface. For people who want to read you, some people like to, you know, they're old school, and they want to hold something in their hands. Our producer, Jake Hatch, is saying, that's me. He's in his 30s, but he wants to, other people are like, digital. I want to read it on my phone. I, I want to read it on the computer when I'm supposed to be working, even if I'm working at home. Uh, how do they find you, digital or, uh, you know, old school tree products? 
I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, the magazine, we actually uh, we sent it to the press on July the 8th. We got it back. It's in the office. We're shipping them out. There's pictures on, if you go, go to Phil Steele or at Phil Steele 042 on Twitter, you'll see pictures of the truck and the, the mailing crew shipping out these magazines. So if you are old school, and I'm old school, guys. I like, I like a magazine in my hands. Uh, then you head to philsteel.com, order it that way. Very limited distribution this year. Last year we printed 200,000 magazines. This year we're printing 50,000. So when they're sold out, they're sold out. The only two retailers that will have them are Books A Million and Barnes and & Noble. So those will be available there on July 24th at Books A Million and Barnes and & Noble. Other than that, go to philsteel.com to order it. And the, the version for your iPad, iPhone, computer, that will be available probably in about three or four days. We'll have that up. Follow me at philsteel042, and I'll keep you posted when that's available. Do you update the digital stuff with the transfer portal? Because it's uh, it's it's not 2005 anymore, Phil. Things are just well. Utah State quarterback, you know, 48 hours, and you, and you got two pretty big moves. Yeah, two very big moves. I think we are going to do that this year, and especially uh, schedule-wise. You know, there's going to be some schedule changes, I think, between now and the start of the football season. So we'll have, we will update that on the uh, on the digital version. All right, Phil. We appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Hey, a lot of fun as always, guys. Great talking football with you today.